Welcome to Margin Call, the editorial meeting and podcast for Queston Media. I'm your host, Ray Jackson, um, and uh, this isn't my normal, usual spot. We're kind of invading again, if you listened in uh, really <laughs> recently. Uh, the, the rest of the Geek Force uh, team is here uh, with uh, Marlon Aww. and Kat and hey. Amy as well, and um, the Ooh. resident uh, uh, homebody of Margin Call, Russell. Nice homebody. The resident yeah, homebody. Resident homebody. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I throw out words sometimes. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's Listen, we're, we're all resident homebodies, man. We're all homebodies. We're all See? resident homebodies. 2020, everything changes. Um, we are the homebody. <laughs> And uh, we're back here today talking, um, unfortunately, about recent events uh, uh, in this world a little bit, but um, uh, with Black Lives Matter movement and um, all the rest of the uh, deals with police brutality and, and, and racism and everything else that's going on right now. Um, of course, don't forget we're in the middle of a pandemic, but um, that's not the that's not our main topic today. So, uh, what I want to have as our like discussion topic today um, is uh, what it means to be an ally. It's a statement that gets thrown around a lot when it comes to these uh, conversations and these 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 political. Uh, it's not political topics. These topics um, about our world and human rights and um, I wanted to just have a good conversation about what it means to uh to be an ally and how do you become a better one if you are already good um how do you get better i have a little bit of a structure here uh, we're gonna have three main modes of talking today um, our first section is going to be on uh what it means to listen and to learn as an ally. Um, our second section is going to be on what it means to share and spread information. Um, and we're going to wrap up talking about uh, taking personal action in your own life. Um, and so to kind of start with the listening and, lear listening and learning, um, I want to, um, I guess, reach out to uh, tag the rest of the group at the moment and have them, we can start with Kat, of just like what uh, it means to her uh, and these kind of topics of just like what it means when someone like listens to you. How does it, how does it affect you when you're like talking about racism and talking about uh, Black Lives Matter and like why listening is important? Well, um, I'm so glad you brought that up because there are some things during this time that I actually went through where I had a few friends when it came to listening. And my thing is, if you're an ally, you have to be an active listener, not just someone that just, you know, hear my words and then go blah, blah, blah. Um, so like, for example, if, if you're listening to me talk about the matters like ha that's happening for you to understand, I don't want you to be like, oh man, that's horrible or that's terrible or, oh, I hear you, you're very valid in what you believe in. It, to me, that just shows, you know, you're not listening. And especially if you're just even saying like, I'm sorry, this is so crazy. Like it, it, it just feels kind of fake to me. And so for, I guess, as an ally, the kind of listening that we're looking for, you know, you're an active listener, you're, you're offering feedback, you're, you're asking the right questions, you're, you're looking for answers where you can, you yourself, whether you have privilege or not, can take on to help the situation because even though it's affecting mostly black people 
you know, it's a it's a worldwide problem. So everyone should try to do their share, whether that's, you know, maybe donating money, maybe that's donating supplies, maybe that's, you know, getting petitions uh, signed or whatever. There's so much you can do rather than just stand there and be like, oh, man, this is so crazy. I'm so stressed out for you because that's that's not helping at all. And so that kind of goes into the learning part, too, where you're listening not only just to me but to like everybody and then learning from what you can do put it together your own plan and and helping or at least helping either the people around you or the people in the community um i feel like steps like this can really help everyone instead of um you know saying sorry or that's crazy yeah i can't wait to get to the action part of this to talk about a couple <laughs> of things but yes um I hear you there. It's it's a difference between listening and understanding. Yeah. Um, that's the word I like to use a lot because um, I think a lot of, I want to say people get confused to what active listening even really means. Um, so uh, understanding is another word that I like to use with it. Like understand what I'm saying. Don't just, don't just hear me. Like, mm-hmm. like try to understand what that would mean in my world. Like asking questions is a great, addition that you added there. Um, mm-hmm. Marlon or Russell, do you have anything to add on listening? Yeah. Um, I definitely think that that's what, what Kat said is perfect. It's a perfect example of like first level allyship, uh, the listening and understanding portion of it. And I think the second step, of course, is finding how to, you know, position yourself to use, um, if you're an individual that happens to be white, how to use your whiteness as a way to elevate the issues of people of color, particularly in this issue um, for African-Americans. Um, you see a lot in the media and the news how there are a lot of white folks that are positioning themselves in front of black people to shield them from police. Um, and I think that's a great like physical representation of what you should do in your everyday lives when it comes to being an ally is that even when you know there's no one watching, um, you are defending for you're defending those who are marginalized. Uh, you're standing up for those who are being belittled, even in all white spaces or spaces that are different for the individuals that you're defending, um, you know, that you are allying with. I think allyship is definitely something that, um, yes, you can show up with your friend being there, but you also have to show up when there's no one there, no one watching. That's like, I think the true power of allyship is the fact that it, you know, transcends their needing to be an audience of people that are backing you. Even if you're in a position to where like, you're the only one with that mindset, you know, you know what, I'm going to be an ally and, and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to, you know, take this heat. People are gonna, not going to like that. I want to say this, but that's what allyship is being uncomfortable with uh, protecting other people. And, you know, that's like a good first step in like really, you know, embodying um, what it's like for those people who like hats live like that all the time. And allyship isn't just, you know, something you just can put on and take off. Like it has to be in, in your life 24 7, 365, 366. Mm-hmm. Listening is hard. Um, I'm going to make fun of you both because I feel like you both half listened because you changed the subject off of listening, both of your explanations. <laughs> but like, but, but, but like this. It's, but it's hard. It like, it, it's, um, it's, you can, you can hear someone, you can take in what they said and like, it just turns into, uh, it turns into so many other things. Right. Um, and so like, that's the, this where the encouragement comes in. It's just like, we're like, remember is this, there's times in these, um, moments and just like seeing people talk about this online and watching Twitter blow up about everything. And there's times where it feels like, um, that 
or especially before, let me, let me go back to before 2020 in this conversation. Before 2020, it felt like no one was listening. Um, and it, it's very obvious now when you have such a flip from the NFL, I feel like they're the number one candidate of some people who didn't listen. Um, you have such a flip from the NFL on them trying to correct themselves on uh, the kneeling that the players went through um, several years ago and how that... Uh, was such a huge topic. It was not even three years ago with uh, Trump on air uh, talking about Kaepernick kneeling. Uh, like that was like 2016, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, it's insane that within that short amount of time, three and a half ish years, uh, everyone went from, uh, not everyone clearly, but um, the NFL fans went from kneeling is wrong to, Oh my gosh, that is that like, uh, we have to correct this. We have to say sorry. And it's obvious no one was listening then. They weren't trying to understand what he was doing it for. They just inserted their own assumption or conclusion of what the point of that kneeling was instead of trying to understand. Um, I've seen multiple times now people saying the words, I didn't realize this was such a big issue. Um, and that one baffles me too. Like you haven't been listening either. Like what is, where have you been the past 20 years of this? You can go back. I'm watching a community episode that's making fun of police brutality of the other night. And I'm just like, this show came out in the like early, not early, the early 2010s, late, late, late into the double O's. Like this, that's community. That's Dan Harmon talking about police brutality. Like this, if you have, if you're telling me you don't understand what's going on, and you're just new to this, it baffles me. Um, so that's that's step one. Just listen to what's going on. Don't try to belittle it. Don't try to gaslight it. Don't try to say it's, don't tell me all cops are, there's, there's all, not all cops are bad. I don't like, that's not, that's not listening. You just, uh, don't tell me it's a political issue. We can't talk about this. That's, again, that's not listening. Like just, just, take a moment and try to understand where people are coming from um before we wrap up and move on to another topic i want to make sure any other like follow-up ads to listening um well i feel like i feel like this kind of leads into the action part but like kind of like how you had used us as an example of like not really listening but just don't assume i think a lot of problems with the allies today you know, they say, oh, we hear you, you know, we understand exactly what you're saying. And then they do something to show their support, which is what we didn't ask or what it wasn't even asked at all, you know. And so they're thinking they're doing it because it's right or is the good of their hearts. And it's like, not only did you not listen, but you are now making assumptions of something that, you know, individually brain waves or whatever. And you think this is for you know the people who are are in hurt but really it's like you kind of on your own personal agenda in a way and yeah that that ties so close like ties so much to listening um that i see lately in the news where i'm like why why are you burning or why are you why are you doing this you know it's because because it's wrong and i'm like but no one told you no one said anything about that but whatever you know there's um you brought it up before we were talking about the I take responsibility video that uh, was circling Twitter. <laughs> um, but I want to bring it up now because it relates to me thinking about something Dave Chappelle said uh, this week too, uh, which was him talking about how uh, people keep 
saying like, where's Dave Chappelle? Why isn't the Dave Chappelle saying something uh, like, uh, or like just like different celebrities that like, why aren't they saying something? I feel like I, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. I feel like I've said that about a couple people um, over the course of the past month of just like, where's this person? Why aren't they saying anything? Um, and what Dave Chappelle said was just like, I've said enough. I don't, I don't need to say more. Like I've been talking about this for a long time. Like it's up to like, there's other people with other voices that can say that like are out there saying stuff. And just cause I'm sure people want to hear it from me cause they trust me, but like there's, there's plenty of other people you can trust out there. Um, and you want to explain the I Take Responsibility video just in case people um, haven't so seen it. So there's a video, I saw it on Instagram, but there's a video is called the I Take Responsibility video. It's like a whole website. Um, a bunch of um, pretty famous white celebrities did like a montage of them looking into the camera. It's a black and white video and everyone saying, I take responsibility. I take responsibility. And then they lead on with, I take responsibility for, uh, you know, offensive things being said and me looking away or I take responsibility and not doing the right thing when, you know, whatever happens. So you have all these celebrities saying it to kind of put a movement of, I guess, fellow other fellow um, allies out in the world to say, oh, we're going to take a stand and we're going to fight police brutality and racism because now we're pledging ourselves that it's up to us too to do something, not just the black community. And I was like, okay. Yeah, and it's a I called it a neutral thing. I don't think it's it I don't think it's neither helpful nor nor hurtful. Like thanks for the participation award. Um now let's like please let's move forward cuz like I like I and I and I cuz I understand where it's coming from. It's coming from this place of trying to use their platform to like encourage others to do the right thing as well. Um and um but also, if there's anything that I've learned in life, and I think now is the best time to like really take this to heart for everyone, it is uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Um, like it takes more than that. Like, and um, so like I really, I'm sure they are doing more. Like that's, it's, it, they made a video. I, I hope there's they're doing more things than just that. Um, but that's where we get into more of the other two points of sharing and spreading and taking personal action is just because it does take more than listening, listening and learning about what racism is and what right privilege is and what, um, what, how, how white supremacy kind of bleeds into everything. All of those things are important to do and to understand if you're going to get somewhere, uh, because it's honestly the first step in all of this, but we have to move into sharing and spreading the information as well, because, um, there is a lot of people out there that I think the biggest, the biggest, the biggest one that I, bothers me a lot is um, I brought it up a second ago. Of I've heard too much over the past several years of my life. And I'm going to go back maybe decades of just uh, when people feel like we can't talk about something because it's a political conversation and it's not the right environment. Um, I don't know how anyone else in this call feels about it, but I feel like that is the greatest like. Uh, mistake we have made as a society is to feel like we can't talk about something because we're too afraid to dis have a disagreeing conversation. Because um, avoiding it just leads leads people to avoiding it just encourages ignorance is what it really does, um, and not ignorance in a like bad way. Just ignorance as a fact. Like if you don't have information, you can't make a good decision. Um, 
or you can't feel a certain way or understand someone's under you, you can't have em- empathy with if you have ignorance um and so I feel like we, if one thing comes out of 2020 is what I'm hoping is that we can stop calling things like taboo topics just because of the nature of the space that we're in. And we can start having these conversations and just learning how to disagree with each other in a productive way. Um, it's something we don't teach very well. Um, but um, so, yes, yeah, so sharing and spreading information is a very big thing. Um, I want to make sure we talk about. I'm going to use the word white silence. Um, and um, I'm going to explain that as just like a. Uh, I've had friends tell me about how they have families that feel this way and they have. Uh, they, they're, I, yeah, I know my uh, living in the South, I know enough people that, like, oh, yeah, my parents, I'm, I know they voted for Trump. We, we have talked about it before whatever, whatever, or uh, just uh, people out here in California, honestly, sometimes you hear that statement happen. Um, And some of the time is a conversation where they're trying to explain to me how they had a conversation with their parents. And sometimes that conversation is how they didn't have a conversation with their parents because they didn't want to like cause friction between their family or whatever. Um, Just parts of that I understand. uh, But also, again, like supporting ignorance um it's that's what it comes down to it's like are we is that where we want to be as a as a as an ally do you want to like silently encourage people to have the wrong opinion um that's 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 where i sit on it sometimes too but um i want to pass off i want to keep talking um cat marlon russell who uh you mean who has more to add about sharing and spreading positive information. I mean, I think I uh, said it earlier, like, you know, step one is listening and understanding. And then step two is, of course, being an ally all the time, 365, no matter where you are. Um, yeah, so, like, so like earlier, it just means showing up even when no one's there, even when there's no one around you who has the same idea as you, but knowing that being an ally means, you know, defending yourself in your home or in all white spaces. Um, that's the true, uh, you know, definition of an ally is that even if you are in an all white space, you know, you don't situate yourself out of the conversation. You instead put yourself in the conversation to enact change and, you know, make sure that you're defending those who are being marginalized. So yeah. So, so, so that opinion about it. Um, I do want to say another thing I noticed for being like a better ally, whether that's listening and sharing is to just be humble. You have to humble yourself. I know there are people out there who want to help and they're very eager, you know, but then they kind of have like this whole, like, I got to save everybody because it's the right thing. And that's a great attitude, but you have to be humble. You have to be realistic. You know, not everything can be fixed in a day and everything can be fixed in a week. And so whether that, you know, that means educating your family or having those hard talks with people that, you know, that don't want to listen, having talks with people in the street that might not like, you might not talk to, you know, but just letting them know or asking them if they need stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's getting out of your comfort zone to, um, to do things, you know, whether that's talking or taking action and, you know, that's, you know, being, being humble. I feel like it's a a really great step towards that direction. I, um, and, and going through school district, like in, in implicit bias training and stuff like that, um, before one of the, uh, one of the take, one of the like norms when 
coming into those um, that I always loved and it was always one of my favorites was um, expecting that everything won't get wrapped up that day. Expecting that you're going to have a like have to end that day probably in a we have to agree to disagree kind of state and and like just it's going to be unresolved and that's just kind of how it's going to be today and we can come back to this later um it doesn't have to like you said it doesn't have to just be resolved in a day um it's a conversation that we have to keep coming back to and it's going to be it's a long conversation because a lot of these things have been ingrained in us in subconscious ways for so long that it's hard to separate when it when you're doing it and when you're not doing it. It's hard to catch yourself. It's hard to barely be aware of it unless you take intentional steps to do so. Um, the um, I'll get to that part when we get to uh, personal action. But um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of that spread of information and just seeing something being said that like you have to comment on eventually like you you can't always just let it go um in the interest of not causing problems or the interest of protecting feelings because i like it's it's there's there's unfortunately there's opinion and there's fact and um the more we get into 2020 and the more things happen uh, we're we're recording this right after atlanta just went through another shooting um a couple days ago in the midst of all the protesting um and it's just like the these facts just keep adding up and like it's uh, there's there's gonna be less and less people trying to defend cops <laughs> the longer we go through this unfortunately um but how that's uh that's another point here. Um, so um, we can move on to taking personal action. Um, uh, if no one else has any extra comments on sharing and spreading information. Russell, you haven't talked for like 22 minutes. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm listening. Oh. It's listening. It's it's being a good listen. I'm just, but, I'm just making point, sure. But, but I'm actually, just making to sure. If, if to to not uh, completely intentionally put you on the spot, I do want you to sh- like. I would like you to share like what what is at this point. You've listened to us for a little bit, and we're on the share moment. How does how has all of this like kind of affected you to for a way? I, I don't know how where you have put yourself in this, or uh, like I having this podcast makes me feel like you for sure consider yourself an ally. And I don't want to really put you on the spot, but like, what is the how does this how do you Raymond, feel do it, about that part? <laughs> I'm here to be put on the spot. I'm here to listen and then be put on the spot. That's, That's what true. I'm here for. So uh yeah, I I mean, first of all, I think this is a great conversation. It's really important, it's very illuminating. So I'm I'm grateful to all of you for you know conceiving of this and having this conversation. Uh, if you're asking me if I'm if I'm being put on the spot, I'm gonna I, I have to say that my relationship to the criminal justice system, to police brutality, uh, and to race is very complicated. I mean, everybody's relationship to those things is very complicated. Um, But, you know, I am a formerly incarcerated person. You know, I was locked up for three years when I was a kid. Uh, And, you know, while I was locked up, my uh, high school girlfriend was shot and killed by a police officer in San Francisco. Um, and you know, nothing ever happened to him. 
you know, he lied about what happened. And uh, that was a hugely, as you can imagine, you know, think about being a 17 year old, you know, oh, like yeah. living in a group home and, and witnessing and experiencing that kind of grief and loss and trauma. So, you know, that was a hugely politicizing moment f- for me, obviously. And as a result, you know, uh, I'm older now, but, you know, I, I spent my whole adult life working in uh, criminal justice advocacy and police accountability. Uh, so this is a huge issue that I think about and talk about, and it's in my professional life and my personal life every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, but it's further complicated by my own racial identity, right? Like I'm, you know, my mom is Mexican, my dad is white. Um, but I'm in the world, as far as the world perceives me, I'm a white person. Uh, and that, that combination of factors is very complicated for me when things like this happen. And I think years ago, there was a time when, uh, these conversations would come up and I would think, oh, I'm an expert on this. Like I had these experiences, I was locked up, like, you know, um, I've been doing criminal justice advocacy, blah, blah, blah. And, and when things, when these conversations came up, I thought that was like a signal for me to like pop in and share all my game and knowledge and insight and wisdom uh, on these issues. And, you know, not that my, you know, experience and insight isn't valuable, but I think it's been very good for me. And, you know, uh, over the past, I would say five to 10 years to learn that that's not, that's not my role in these times. Do you know what I mean? Like I have become a lot more aware about my perception in the world um, and, and layers and levels of privilege that, you know, it's not that I didn't acknowledge levels of privilege, but I kind of thought, you know, oh, I was locked up and these crazy things happened in my life. And, you know, I've been doing this work that I, I felt in some ways like absolved me, or I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not like other white people or whatever. And, <laughs> there's a, there's a word yeah. I came across. There's a phrase I came across really recently for that, which, uh, I didn't even realize it was a phrase. It was called white exceptionalism. Whoa. And it's that, <laughs> really? it's that, it's that feeling of like, uh, it's really, it's exactly what you're saying. It's just like someone posts something like, oh yeah, I'm an ally too. And like that feeling of like, I don't need to read that. Cause I like, I, I know I'm, I, I have black friends and I, that's, that's not, I don't, I'm not involved with that like I, I know a lot about this subject and like it's a it's a thing that happens uh, and I, I was it was a, I was reading someone's blog going through uh, this book of, on white supremacy and like they were talking about each of these each of these things and how they relate to it and when she got to white it was just funny because in just skimming through the first set of them white conceptualism might have been the sixth or seventh one and she got there and she was like oh boy I've been doing a lot of this the past couple of days <laughs> and, and it's just it's it it's something everyone goes through it's okay um, yeah. sorry to interrupt you but it just I, I it related a lot no I mean that's a great point now now I have a name for it. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah, I, spent, I didn't either. <laughs> I, spent, I spent six minutes explaining what it was. I could have just said, listen, I got an, a, white, a white exceptionalism problem. <laughs> I'll be sure to bring um, it up later in other episodes. But it's good to have that language and it's good it to is. have that awareness, you know, because I think a, a lot of people feel that way. And like, it's hard to talk about too, because in some ways there's like a little, there's some validity, you know, for people who have certain experiences who are like, you know, you think you're on like a scale of what level of, you know, oppressor you are. Um, but that's that's got to go. You know what I mean? And I, I think it can go exactly the same place that my attitude um, went about like, oh, this is my time to talk about something. And, and I, 
Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. The, this, before we move past white exceptionalism, I want to make sure I make the point that every single cultural identity goes through this feeling of it isn't like it isn't me i have like i don't i don't need to worry about this i have heard i have i have heard uh people of asian cultures make comments that would fall into the exceptionalism category i've heard people of uh latin and hispanic cultures that it falls into exceptionalism category i've heard like there's people across the world that i've heard fall into this category it's just like everyone can learn from this it is literally within every culture like almost every culture, there's some form of brown, light skin, dark skin hate that exists. Um, and like, it just, we all need to have this conversation sooner or later. It isn't just, it isn't a not me kind of thing. Um, we all go through this. It is, it is, it is millennia of these things happening. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it just really quickly, the, I think, the reason I really appreciated that you started off with listening, you know, like as our, our first kind of discussion piece here, um, just to kind of wrap up my point a little bit is like the real problem. There are a lot of problems with, you know, me kind of like jumping in and thinking it's time for me to talk about what I know. But I think the main problem was that, you know, when things like that happened, uh, when I was busy talking about what I thought I knew, um, I just I wasn't listening to people. You know what I mean? And I wasn't learning. And that's bad. You know what I mean? Uh, I uh, And there is no such thing as exceptionalism. As you said, I don't think there's any group of people that is exempt from this structure or any group of people that uh, doesn't have something to learn from listening. And that's just, it took me a long time to figure that out, you know? Um, and I'm, I, I'm glad that I'm starting to figure that out. And I think this conversation and the way that you framed it is a really good reminder of that. Uh, as the saying goes, better late than never. This applies to everyone listening. Uh, um, so wonderful. Um, my last point uh, to uh, bring this all back together is uh, on taking personal action. Um, I want to uh, make sure I emphasize the word personal there um, because it is very hard um, to really give anyone advice on this step. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, I had um, a group of uh, a group of event organizers that I work with a lot. Uh, one of them, what, like the head, uh, reached out to me really recently, asking me, like, uh, "Here's the things that I've been doing, and I don't know what else to do." Um, and literally, my first words in the email reply back were. I I don't know. Like I I don't know what to do either. Like there's a lot here that needs to be unpacked and resolved and people have to take a lot of these steps themselves. I don't I can't make anyone unfortunately. Um and so the the personal part here is how does how does all of this affect you? What can you do in your section of the world? Is are you a parent in your school environment? Can you help impact that? Are you involved in your church can you help unpack that like um i feel like there's a lot of the the simplest thing is literally count and, and I, I i'm gonna give you permission this one time count how many black friends you have because if that number is is 
honestly a countable number there was it's probably a problem like <laughs> like if you if you can actually get to if you can actually like oh yeah there's everybody eh, that's that seems like there's a problem there like the the it should be hard to accomplish that task um it like that's it's just a it's just a fact also um because and it, it helps to think about that this time because it's hard to listen and learn if you don't have anyone around you in your life that you surround yourself with that can give you that extra perspective that you're missing. Um, and like it, it, it really makes a huge impact on how you learn and how you perceive the things that are going on around you. Um, Kat, Marlon, Russell, comments on taking personal action. Um, well, I feel like, you know, I think we're all educators here. I look at it as like a, like a teacher, a teacher problem where, you know, you have students in your class that learn on different levels, whether, you know, it's visual, visual or auditory or whatever. And so it kind of falls down to what are you really good at almost kind of like how you said, you know, if you, if you, you're in church or you have a parent or whatever, because if like you're a person you want to help, I'm not saying, you know, run up to the school council being you need to just you know hire black teacher you know that because that's not gonna help but you do kind of have to fit in like yeah kind of fit in when you when you get in like you know you you know how things are run or there's always a place for somebody you just kind of have to find and it is hard to find where your strength is where it lies you know maybe that is you know voting for a better school council to represent the district maybe that is you know working towards you know helping homelessness maybe that's working at a food bank there's so much and it is kind of hard to narrow that down but you know there we live in a time of you know age of technology and there's lists out there that do lists of where you know they need help back so like if you don't know what to do there there are plenty plenty ways online that kind of encourage you and kind of kind of direct where you can start you know they kind of get where you can help and then maybe when you're helping then you can be like oh wait but then i can do this too because of some personal experience and so you know uh, i get that it is overwhelming at first but you know it's 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 a it's a great step that means you're acknowledging like you want to help. So, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I'm not saying trust the internet, but like, yeah, the internet's your friend. You know, if you want to ask people around <laughs> that, that, that works too. But yeah, there's so much stuff on the internet right now, especially during this time where people are making like lists and uh, petitions or whatever for you to take action, you know, so you're not completely lost. That's a, that's the uh, that's the one place I will say if you if you just absolutely don't have time and you just need a place to start, just find a good list of black owned businesses in your local mm -hmm. area and start putting most of your spending money when you need to go to the store when you need to when you want to own a restaurant, if you like anything, go to a black business that will help. If everyone started right. doing that, it would change everything. Um, but again, it's a it's that's that's a task in itself. It'll change things a lot when um, if this continues. And there's there's uh, Kat, as you were just saying, getting word of mouth out to uh, how just uh, sharing on social media. I go here, I shop here. I just had food at this place. This is a great. They have great food. Like we we were doing it before with. Uh, 
uh, what were people calling it food porn for a long time on the internet? Like, let's, yeah. let's like, I feel like I've been seeing less bring of that, that in coronavirus. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's hard to bring that back. Like, uh, especially uh, when it comes to some of these businesses that have sh- historically had problems having people uh, know about them or know that they even exist. And now's a good time to just learn about these things. Um, so if you're just lost, that's a good place to start is black businesses. Um, the other place that uh, has come to my attention recently, and that's how I found this phrase, white exceptionalism, um, is a book by Layla Saeed called Me and White Supremacy. Um, apparently, she uh, started this in 2018. It's a great... Um, she did like a 28-day Instagram challenge on uh, addressing uh, your own personal like interactions with white supremacy. Um, and I started looking through a little bit of the beginning of it to, to like just kind of get an idea of what it was because I had just never heard of it before. And that's where the I got that extra phrase from. But there's a lot of really great like uh, prompts that she has in there on like tone policing was one that I was like, ooh, that's a... That's a great one. Telling Ooh. people I like hearing, oh, no, say that nicer and then I can hear you better. That's just that's a good one. Um, or like the talking about the phrase, I don't see color and how that has its own layers of of mm-hmm. racism in it in itself. Um, and so uh, this this is a great book. I see it's sold out in, in uh, like physical copies right now, but there's a lot of audio versions of it that exists on the Internet um, if you need a good book. Me and white supremacy is a good one too, um, uh, but yes, there's there's a lot of that that is um, that just takes time, I think. Marlon, um, I wanted to ask you what you did. You have any extra suggestions on personal action? I know you talked about it at the beginning a little bit, but um, just to give you a chance to speak up in there. Yeah, no, um, I do everything for this for personal actions in general. It definitely is. Um, kind of paired to the individual. Like if you're someone that's young, maybe a, a TikTok age, maybe that's just like doing constant posts about it, doing your due diligence to share in new information. Um, maybe it's sharing food places. But I feel like for the youth culture, it's all about listicles and just sharing lists and places where you can donate and give money to. And as you get older, it becomes more, you know, hands-on, whether you're protesting, whether you're um, calling into your local representative and demanding change, whether you're showing up to um, city council meetings and holding those individuals accountable. Um, I know for a lot of individuals who are involved in, you know, defunding uh, the police department, they're showing up to their city council meetings and and demanding that. I know for my city, uh, Richmond, um, most recently, you know, they had a whole uh, influx of people come to a city council meeting and just demand that there be something changed. And Richmond hasn't had a lot of, you know, you know, uh, murder or assault uh, by police officers in a while, uh, or, you know, not up to the normal, you know, back in the 90s. But, you know, the community definitely uh, got up together and demanded that there be a change. I know that they're going to be, uh, I know that all high schools and schools in general are going to be canceling all contracts with police officers um, for the 2021 school year, which means that they're allocating different funds towards, you know, more programs for African-Americans and school-wide programs. So um, I, th- I think it depends on like how old you are, that group, but um, finding um, where you can, you know, put yourself to benefit the community you're trying to help out is like a big deal. You know, Seattle's doing the autonomous zone. It's just like little acts of people that are saying, I want to step up and just going for it and just going for it in the proper mindset of, how can I get support? Where's the need? How can I fill that need? And also, 
if need be, how can I just stand in the background and support the individuals and hold them up and give them the, the you know the the time to shine and the time to be you know represented for their community. So finding ways like that. But I think for now, if you're you know uh, of voting age, I think it's definitely all about holding you know the people you put in office accountable, showing up to vote, and just really putting the screws to the police offices and. They get a lot of money and schools don't get a lot of money nor do any of these programs. So finding ways to get that money back to the community and get out of the hands of the police force. Right. I, yeah, I agree. Oh, I just wanted to like comment kind of like what Marlon was saying about like the whole TikTok, like, yeah, social media as a whole. But one thing that I really enjoy, especially with teens is, you know, they are learning history from a textbook and I don't know, what the textbooks say about American history and black people in general, but I do admire the young people to really educate, like really educate themselves and then using TikTok. Cause you know, that's like the number one app of their age. And so they will like start off the video as if they were going to do a dance craze, but then they really just hammer down on some hard facts, you know, that, not a lot of people would know and it's so amazing to see that you know these these people are the people of the future and they are doing so much right now and that just really wants me, i, I want to see what more they can do you know as they become voting age and 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 beyond that you know and it's just really great to see how you know as a child what can you do, you know? And so they take it upon themselves to do that type of work. And I think that's a really great encouragement for older people who might be confused, you know? So maybe you, you know, you go shopping, maybe eat there, but yeah, you can always just ask kids too. Like if you have nieces or nephews or kids, like if they're with it, you can always talk to your kids about it. And that's another thing, just talking to your kids about it, educating your kids about the whole thing. If you've never done that as a, you know, a guardian or parent, it's just, that's another great way to spread the message or just the truth. Yeah, this step is very important. Um, and it's, 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 important, it's important to try and take action more than it is to like just absolutely be successful at the action. Um, I, we were criticizing, t I take responsibility earlier, but like, that's why I wanted to call it a neutral thing because yeah, it didn't, it doesn't feel like it's going to be like the most hopeful thing in the world. Um, but it's an attempt. I would rather everyone spend the rest of 2020 failing at attempting to be, to be positive and like be a good ally and just like not doing it in the right way. And at least they're trying. Like, um, right. so you ha you have to find some way to take some sort of action. It's, it's, do you do you want an example of a negative way? I just thought of it. Um, uh, go how, for like, it. Um, okay, so like you know how influencers who do makeup what they did to show their, oh, I guess, yeah, other that allies. Bad. That was yeah. horrid. They, that was they did that. They did blackface. They did half their face as blackface. And they're like, you yeah. know, or they would paint their eyes, you know, unity or Black Lives Matter thinking this will help the movement. And it's like, 
you're not, and you're offending I, on top of that. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's a it, that exists, and it's and it's unfortunate that they didn't have they didn't they didn't start with a step of listen and learn because they, they wouldn't have have no realized how friends. bad that uh, they don't have enough <laughs> right. back friends. They don't. That's um, <clears throat> it's something that I've said about companies for a long time too. It's just like uh, you right. have the companies come out with some new product, and it just it looks like a blackface, and like. And it comes out, they announce it, and everyone reacts on the internet. I want to say something with like Gucci happened in the past couple of, couple oh, of years. Yeah. Or, or um, H&M. Like, that was one. H&M or something, right? And, and the first thing right. I always say in these situations is you clearly have no black employee that works in this department or in, maybe yeah. in your company at all because yeah. having a single black person would have caught that. Like, <laughs> I, this is this is a really good point and and i think one of the most poignant things i saw on social media or at least thing that really resonated with me was right when corporations first started to issue their big like black lives matter statements you know um which that could be its own episode talking about the way the corporations have tried to handle this right yep um but somebody posted, I mean, right in the midst of me having all kinds of different feelings about that, like, is this good? Is this bad? This is weird. You know what I mean? Somebody said like, hey, that's great that you're issuing this statement. Why don't you follow up with a screen cap of photos of your management and your employees mm-hmm. and your CEO and your COO? And I thought, wow, that's really, I mean, it was, it was kind of, it was a clapback, right? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so it wasn't, but at the same time, it was so insightful and it called attention to like what the difference between, um, you know, kind of lip service and action looks like, you know what I mean? Like it's fine to say to be, it's very easy. You're not really going out on a limb right now by criticizing uh, police brutality. Like that's not really a risk. You know what I mean? Um, but taking a serious look at who you hire and what kind of power you have. Um, I mean, as corporations, right. That's like the big picture example. Um, you know, it's like, I, you know, I don't know the business, but it's very different for me to come out and say publicly, like, yes, I am anti-racist. I am against, um, police brutality. You know, this thing that happened was a tragedy, but that's, there's not a lot of risk involved in that. The risk is involved in like seriously examining your own privilege the institutions that you're a part of and the ways in which they should change and what you can do in order to change them. Um, and I think that person's like comment or clapback or whatever highlights that distinction, like the distinction between saying like, I stand with this, which is great. I you know, I don't even really have much criticism for that. Corporations. Yeah. That's a different issue. Um, and, and action. And, you know, those, that would be the distinction there for me. And, you know, I also had like, one quick thought about this, uh, you know, I take responsibility thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, like you, I, I kind of don't want to necessarily say, oh, be critical or be supportive. It just as a, as a way to inhabit this issue, a lot of this support, and this is part of just being kind of in a social media age, is um, performative in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? Like, like having a picture of yourself, like looking at the camera saying, I take responsibility um a lot of that is performative a lot of that is like maybe a statement of white exceptionalism do you know what i mean like i can't be touched yes. now because i have publicly said this thing and again i wouldn't say oh don't say that in a video because that that is important but i i'm very kind of confused and pulled a lot of different ways about the performative nature of this i think the i mean absolutely the worst example of this i've seen was an influencer like a, a white woman who was you know very 
tall, skinny, kind of like model looking person wearing like really beautiful clothing. And like, it was a video of her stepping into a march. She's like holding a sign that says Black Lives Matter. She's like checking her hair and checking her makeup and then stepping into a march and holding up a sign that says Black Lives Matter so that her friend can take her picture. You know? <laughs> it's almost as bad um, as Kendall Jenner. Let me bring yeah, a Pepsi to the cop. To the cop. <laughs> we just need a Pepsi to save this. Yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah. Nothing. I, I just think that like, that's an extreme example. It's like a completely reprehensible, but I just think it's important for everybody, like people who consider themselves allies to think like how much of your participation is performative or like how much of it is you trying to absolve yourself mm. or say like, I'm not one of those. All right. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I, yeah. I, right. I, again, I don't want to discourage that kind of engagement, but I just think all of us need to say like, before you say something like, is this helping? You know, or is this about me or is this about the movement? You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. I think for me, I have like a really personal story. Um, I went to Loyola University and recently, I don't know, I don't know if it's been in the news as much, but uh, the dean of students is named Dr. Is Dr. Dewey. Uh, and she used to like really be very insensitive towards African-American students about our looks, uh, about how we spoke on camera. And it's really made, you know, being a black journalist very uncomfortable. And to like to speak on the piece of like performative nature, she I think like at the beginning at the height of this, she tweeted out that you know Black Lives Matter and all this, and a lot of alumni called her out on that. Um, or like you made being a black student in the mass comm department absolutely unbearable for everyone, and you know we filed complaints against you, and those complaints got you know hush hushed, and you stayed in charge, and um, I think it definitely made me realize how, how performative it definitely is to be like a part of this movement and to like, it just seems like the new hip, cool thing, put a filter on my Facebook thing and like show that I'm involved in it. But there are a lot of people that are just doing it to be a part of it. And then thankfully for her, I mean, not thankfully, but she just was in a position to where a lot of students were like, yo, we are aware that you put this out there and we're going to call you out on it. And, you know, we ended up getting her, you know, removed from her position she was going to be going into at the new college she was going to. And the, my college, Leola, didn't take her back. And so she's just out there without a job right now because of the fact that people finally were like, yo, like, we're going to like, we are, we fully have graduated and we know that our university sucks. So we're going to go at you and we're going to get these kids at the school who are part of the newspaper who have autonomy. They're going to write this article for us and we're just going to call them out on it. And literally these, these kids had no qualms of like writing this paper, getting interviews. And then at the other school, those same kids did the exact same thing. And we were able to call out this person and the universities, both of them, to be like, yo, you almost hired a woman that made being a person of color journalism very difficult. And both universities should be held accountable. And at the end of the day, both universities apologized and said, we had to rethink about how we, one, hire our faculty, and two, how do we, you know, um, train them so that we don't have alumni years later being like, yo, you're the reason why I stopped being a journalist, or you're the reason why, you know, I just didn't ever feel comfortable being in this space. Ooh. Yeah. That's that's wow, it's that's heavy. Crazy. Um, I I was gonna use the whole example of what the Democrats did last week, which was extremely performative when they were nailing in honor of George Floyd and wearing kente cloth, even though no one told them to do that. But you know, thinking like we're showing our, oh, you know, Lord. support towards uh black our African-Americans, you know, and we're doing this in honor of you guys to show that we're with you. And I'm just like, 
I I mean, for me, it was just like, well, I don't see like who told you like what made you again. You know, they weren't listening. Where of were course. the black people at in this? <laughs> exactly. Where were the black people at in this scenario? They were not in the group chat. And that yeah, again I don't think they were goes that back to <laughs> they were not in the group chat. Right. And that goes back to who, what should they do to be, if, if they want to, at least, especially since there's an election year, what can they do to make us, you know, trust them or at least make us feel like, you know, they, they really are about who they are, even though, you know, that's another uh, topic. But I mean, it, it was just really wild to me. First of all, that it was super televised and it was super dramatic and over the top. And it was just so laughable that you know not listening to uh black people or people of color and again assuming you know this is what they want it kind of even goes into you know since all this is happening what especially what biden's trying to do uh to you know to say that to get elected and so you know he he said oh i don't want we, you know, truck, truck holes are, are, they should, you know, be illegal for cops. And it's like, that's not even like what we were asking. You know, we, we were saying about how to, you know, fix their budget, you know, defund them in a way where, you it's know, that includes training and stuff. Right. And, and the fact that again, he wasn't listening or they were not listening and they're just saying things because they think it's better. And that just shows us, especially as a community that, you know, it's, it's, you're not really about it. You're, you're trying to, I don't know, make yourself look better. Or you feel or sound better in your own ears. But that's to me was a great example of you're, I don't think you're really an ally. I feel like we're just yeah. being kind of used in a way where, yeah. you know, I see you struggling. So I'm going to say this because it's a good thing. And it's like, that's not what we asked at all and you're not listening to what we've been yelling in the streets or writing to you on in emails you know like it's 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 so it's so much and to see that and then to see how you know there's a whole movement called pull up for change and in this movement they're taking a lot of businesses accountable because you know a lot of businesses are donating hella money to the black lives the black lives matter movement and to the bail fund to get people out of jail because they're being, you know, arrested for protesting. And so that's great and all. And you put a little black square on your Instagram. Okay, that's cool. But, you know, there is kind of like what Russell was saying, how there there are people pushing more, like how many black people are in your executive and leadership roles. And there have been reports of like, oh, we have 10% or 5%, you know, we realize this is a problem, but we're going to work better to make a difference. And so I'm like, okay, to me, that's okay. You're acknowledging it publicly and you want to do better. Now, again, that kind of falls back to kind of what me and Ray have been saying about making these lists and checking on these companies six months from now to see if they're really about it. That's a whole nother thing. But I do appreciate that there are companies out there that either have been problematic or not totally honest before. And now they're saying, okay, we're, we're gonna, we're, we're listening, we're gonna do better. And that's why I feel like that's a whole better situation versus what the Democrats were doing. The uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Russell. I, I I just had a couple thoughts while you guys were talking because one, I, I did want to share that the best comment I saw about the photograph of Pelosi and company in the Kente cloth. I mean, first of all, it's a photograph of Nancy Pelosi and a bunch of other white people in the Capitol 
everybody's seen the photo, but it, it bears description. It's Taking a knee, wearing like personal protective gear, right? And have with with kente sashes over their over their chest. Twenty twenty, y'all. The caption. The caption that I saw was, imagine showing this photo to somebody in 2019 and trying to explain it to them. Yes. <laughs> I thought that before I came. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's um, uh, like, we went, so real. It is yeah. so real. We went through, we like, we hit a lot of topics just now, but the, the, the main things I want to make sure, like, I come back to are, uh, Russell, you used the word risk. Um, being an ally takes risk. Like you can't be safe in your corner and like, and not, and like you have to take risks to come out and do something. It doesn't necessarily mean, I, when I say come out, I don't always mean come out of the house. We're in a pandemic. I, I if you are not trying to put, protest because you don't want to get sick, I honestly, I completely understand. But, um, but like it's, you have to do something. Um, and so taking that risk to be able to at least try, and even if you make yourself look a little silly for a little bit, that's okay. I, I don't, I want everyone in this world to like give you a pass for a little bit because you're trying. Um, the, and we're, you know, new, new decade, we, we could try again. Um, but the other thing I want to make sure it's said out loud, and this is a whole nother conversation for another day. This is another margin call conversation too, is the Democratic Party has a huge white exceptionalism problem. And until that's addressed we're gonna have like it's just not gonna feel comfortable like we're gonna keep getting nancy pelosi and company pictures like it's there's too much of it that feels like they feel like it isn't they aren't part of the problem and everyone's part of the problem so the faster we just accept that, that the faster we can get somewhere like and that's just the right, truth or that like we're the ones to save you we're here to help you to say we're the superheroes of yeah, the day. No, and I'm you like, are, you no are here to help encourage like, the problem to be fixed. I don't know. And put <laughs> in the lot. right legislation and to fight for the people that vote for you. You are you are not perfect. And the faster you remember that, the better. Thanks. Because they 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 think they think because uh Raymond was saying how um, you know, again, they don't have a lot of well, black people to kinda you know, to judge the sub the subject, and I'm just saying, like, because they think, in a way, they're elevating themselves higher than everybody, especially us, and they know what's good for us. So whatever they they come up with, they think it's helping all, and it's like you're not doing any of the steps in in being at least a, a kind of like a good human being, and in a way, I mean. There's so much you can do. Like, I know when they have to go on their little trail and reach out and meet people. But again, they're using that in a way. They're using other people's experiences to to get votes, to get money. You know, there's always a, a agenda because if they really were about it, we would see hella change right now. And it's still just a very uncomfortable topic. Like, they are afraid. I feel like when it comes later, when journalists ask them the hard questions, you know, they're going to you know, skip around them. But it, it, it really just shows to me, yeah, that's the the government, administration, official, all of that. That definitely needs to take the steps that we've been talking about uh, in, in this episode. I mean, also, I feel like whenever they get like any POC Democrats, they're always labeled as like, oh, those are the radical Democrats. Right. When it's like, no, they just are listening to people and are saying, oh, the people want this and we should do it. They're like, no, 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 we got to stick to the status quo. 
I mean, like AOC and like her crew of like all like POC women, like they're labeled as, oh, those are the radical Democrats. And no one wants to work with them. Like Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to work with them. Barbara, whatever her name is, doesn't want to work with them. It's just like, yo, like these women of color are still to the plate, played by the rules. And now that they're here, y'all don't want to mess with them anymore. Like they went through all the, the same hoops you went through, but because they want to actually listen to folks, it's like, actually, you got to play by the rule book that we set up, which is this very white rule book of like, we're going to do some small changes. Like maybe we'll change the font. Maybe we'll have black history, but maybe we'll get matching right. kente cloths. But right. like, other than that, I'm we're not doing systemic changes. I'm expecting in the next uh, in the next year um, when after the big Biden Trump civil war, um, we're going to get a very political. Oh, we'll make Juneteenth a national holiday. Yep, and, I agree. Like, I'm expecting it to happen. And it's just like, I don't. That sounds great. But honestly, I'd rather voting day be a national holiday. Um, yeah. a, and B, um, it's that's not what anyone is actually asking for. Like, <laughs> like we could celebrate that on our own. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it will be great PR. It will be great. Yeah. The, I think the greater the, to end the uh, not to end it, but like to try and wrap up the Democratic Party discussion. I think they also it's just a it's very easy to be someone on that side. And with all the partisan ways that that our government works, period, right now to look at themselves and say, well, we're not the Republican Party. And that mm-hmm. and as much as that is a bar y'all are passing, it is a very low bar. Um, and so <laughs> I like I need everyone to try a little bit harder. Is is really all it's really all I'm, anyone's asking for. Um, there's the I need to learn this lady's name because I've quoted her like two or three times in the in the past couple in the past week now. But um, I you? saw the. Um, no, I saw the video on John Oliver. It's how he ended his show uh, last week. Oh, yeah. um, and it's um, I, Trevor Noah used the lady in her thing, too. But she she gave a long speech about black lives and this movement and how um, how the police need to change and, you know, all the things. And she ends it with the line um, to make sure I quote her word for word. Um, it is. And they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge. And but. it's such a powerful statement because that is literally all that has happened in the past. Uh, we're getting to 60 years ago was the civil rights movement. Uh, before that, we're just segregation and all the stuff. Like this, It's all anyone has just wanted. It's just to be treated as an equal citizen of the United States that our ancestors helped build just as much and technically more, but you know, we can leave that one alone if that gets us to equality, but um, to, to build this country, like it's, it's such a simple thing. I don't know why it's so hard. I don't know why it's so hard. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, I feel like, who was it? Franny Lillehammer said the exact same thing of like, they will burn this down if they have to, like, y'all don't understand. Like, there's just so much anger in the in, in the hearts of the young folks out here. And if y'all don't want to let them just be in the same country as you all and y'all keep treating them this way, we have no qualms of burning it all down. <laughs> we 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 built up the stilts and the structures and we know how to pull the plug on it if we if we got to. Right. And everyone feels right. threatened when you say stuff like that. And you're just like, but it's you you are we got to this point because of this because we right. because we keep dying like if you want to hold property over human life that's another conversation we need to have um right. so, so <laughs> with you but now it's like you know what 
I might throw a brick through a window too. This is this is literally that like Spike Lee moment. Like, I mean, it's like in Spike Lee, how like his main character, he was like nonviolent the whole film, but it got to a certain point. It's like it's hot. I've been like brutalized my entire life. This cop has just killed my friend. You know what? I'm throwing logic to the wind. I just want to break something, and it's like that's what people are getting to. Like, yes, we've like played by the rules, nonviolence. How you want us to protest? We shouldn't block traffic. Cool. We shouldn't kneel. Cool. We shouldn't say it out loud. Cool. We've been trying to follow every rule and rubric, but it's like you know what? At a certain point, like you know, fuck the rules. Like we've done it time and time again. We let you dictate how we should protest when in when we are allowed to protest however we want because it's in our rights. It's like you know what? Fuck this. We've got to the point where like we're just we're taking it. We're just, we'll take it back. We'll take it all back if we have to. Right. And if people don't understand it, I mean, think of how America fought with the British. What did the people in Boston do? They got fed up. They threw tea in, in, in the ocean. They they had, property. they had. Yeah. And then they had fights with the, the, the British soldiers, you know, and they, they, they just started. And I'm like, I can get more recent like, than that. Oh, the American okay. Civil War. Well, yeah, I was getting there, but I was just saying, like, <laughs> I was going to the, the South infrastructure is still right. And they, they protest it and they riot it to get what they wanted. Oh, my gosh. And they lost yeah. and they think they won. The South will rise again, as they always say. Yep. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> that's a whole nother bucket of worms, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, I hope um, anyone listening can take from them uh, the tools that we're trying to offer. I, uh, it's, this isn't a conversation I like to have very often because I don't want to have to teach people how to be a decent human being. Um, and, and so I, do, I think we all take it today to like, this is a new time. I want to try to treat 2020. If it means we're going to get somewhere, I'm willing to throw down the fresh slate and like let people take their time to learn right now because what else do you have to do? Or, and we're still, everyone should be staying at home. So this is a great time to uh, take that, uh, take, take another step in your own self-improvement and learn and just try and be a better person. If that is where you are, then honestly is what we all need. I'm just, uh, for myself, there's things I need to fix too, but um it's just this is a big point it's really important and none of it changes without every single person sitting down and really looking and examining themselves um uh the last thing i'm gonna the last comment i'm gonna make is silence is acceptance um if you are saying nothing right now or you are doing nothing right now to try and help and be a part of it it Personally, it tells me that you are okay with the way things are and you don't feel like there needs to be any change. And that's where you stand on it. And that that's, that's, oh, well, that's, I thank you for your statement. Like, I, I know where you are. <laughs> If that's not where if that's not where you are and you really are on the solidarity side and you really mean it, take these three steps. Make sure that you are following these things and just trying to do them because otherwise, it looks like you don't care. Yep. Mm. Agreed. Well Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you take with you uh, something from this podcast today. Uh, I want to thank um, the 
the rest of the team on the call right now, uh, Marlon, Kat, Russell, Eming, uh, for taking the time out and being a part of this conversation as well. And until next time, Quest On! This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.